putting that together and for all the moms who helped and the kids, that was awesome. Um, I um, want to say, just to think about Father's Day, I think about uh, my dad, uh, Roy, my stepdad, Tom, and just, I don't know if they're watching right now or not, but happy Father's Day to them. Um, I'm really grateful for my two kids. Part of me wants to embarrass them by bringing them up, but I think they just left because I knew that that was coming. No, no, it's fine. Um, and so uh, I think about, just thinking about the dads in our church and thinking about parenting and being a dad, and especially over this last year with COVID and all that that's brought. Um, I was thinking about, man, what do you say and how do you encourage and how do you get across the idea of what it feels like? And um, we watch uh, Hamilton in our family and listen to this album peri periodically often. And uh, there's one song that is done in the, um, in the musical by the characters Hamilton and Aaron Burr, where they're both writing songs to their newborn kids. And when I think about the lyrics to this song, and I'm probably going to butcher the, one of the names, but um, I, I resonated with this deeply. And uh, I'm, for copyright issues, we couldn't stream it here in service to avoid crimes against humanity. I'm not going to sing it for you, um, but I wanted to read the lyrics. Some of you, I heard some amen, so thanks. Um, but this is what it says. Dear Theodosia, I think that's the one I messed up, sorry. Uh, what to say to you? You have my eyes, you have your mother's name. When you came into the world, you cried, and it broke my heart. I'm dedicating every day to you. Domestic life was never quite my style. When you smile, you knock me out. I fall apart, and I thought I was so smart. You will come of age with our young nation. We'll bleed and fight for you. We'll make it right for you. If we lay a strong enough foundation, we'll pass it on to you. We'll give the world to you, and you'll blow us all away. Someday, someday, yeah, you'll blow us all away. Someday. Oh, Philip, when you smile, I am undone. My son, look at my son. Pride is not the word I'm looking for. There is so much more inside me now. Oh, Philip, you outshine the morning sun. My son, when you smile, I fall apart. And I thought I was so smart. My father wasn't around. My father wasn't around. I swear I'll be around. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll make a million mistakes. I'll make the world safe and sound for you. You'll come, up, uh, you'll come of age with our young nation. We'll bleed and fight for you. We'll make it right for you. If we lay a strong enough foundation, we'll pass it on to you. We'll give the world to you, and you'll blow us all away. Someday, someday, yeah, you'll blow us all away. And, you know, it, to, to be a dad, I think the reason why I love this song so much is it gets to the idea of, man, when that little one came into the world, you cried. I don't care how tough you are, how strong you put up a front. Uh, you broke the first time you held that kid and you thought about your child. You dedicate every day to them. Uh, you'll bleed, you'll fight, doing everything to make it right, try to protect them, try to do your best. But then especially the, the, the verse, when you smile, I fall apart. Regardless of how my parent was, I know that I'm going to do what I can, what it takes for you, but I'm going to make a million mistakes. And as dads, we know what that feels like. 
Especially over this last year, you've probably had many moments that were just full of joy and full of laughter and full of memories, but then also moments where it was a crash and burn and you have regrets. You wish you had done something different. We're thankful for the grace of God. We're thankful for the mercies of God. We're thankful for that every day is a new day. And so I just want to encourage you as dads to, to keep going. Um, to, 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 keep, to keep fighting for your kids and your family, to keep having fun, to keep laughing with them, to have an eternal infancy, to be able to enjoy life with them, to make memories with them. And you're going to make more than a million mistakes and you're going to have regrets, but don't let those things stop you. Um, because I think that's the reality of being a father is you want your kids to blow you away someday with whatever God does with them and whatever they make their life out to be you want them to just blow you away that just you know Jesus told us and says in the gospels you're going to go and do greater things than what I did Jesus told that to his followers I see you making a larger impact on this world than in the small place that I've been and what else gets to the heart of the father that I want you to go and just blow me away and keep striving for that it's hard it's difficult but keep going so I just wanted to say that to our dads um, at the same time you know that Father's Day is it's, it's a mixed bag in many ways and so this is a difficult day for some and we want to acknowledge that as well we're going to talk about that a little bit actually as we get into our message and uh, but I want to pray for all of us. We think about the fathers that we have represented in the room. I'm not going to, um, because you, I, know you, I know you don't want to do this, but I'm going to say, uh, if our dads are here, can you just raise your hand? Where are our dads? You don't want to stand up, so where's our dads? Can we hear it for all the dads just one time in the room? Yeah. And you know what, the one thing that, you know, kind of church speak rituals things we do we talk about laying hands on people and so it isn't that there's anything magic incantation or anything about that but it's something about connection it's something about community it's the reality of the spirit that binds us and, and connects us and so I want to pray for our dads and if maybe there's a dad that was around you that had their hand up if you just want to put your hand over on their shoulder and we're going to pray collectively for our fathers and then also just pray uh, for our church as we get into the service God, we thank you so much that you are the perfect father. We thank you for your heart toward us. We thank you for your love toward us. We thank you that you are eternally present, never absent, never far, but near us, loving us, caring for us more than we can imagine. For our dads in the room, God, for those dads who are listening, we pray that you would strengthen them. God, I pray that you would give them hope in you, strength in you. I pray you would remind them of your grace. I pray that you would remind them of your mercy, that they are new every day. We pray, God, that you would let them see the difference that they make in their families and in their kids' lives, to, to, to acknowledge the weaknesses and the mistakes, but, God, to grow from them and own them and allow you to change us more and more into your image. I pray, God, though, that you would remind them of the, the gifts that you've given them and the opportunities that you've given them. And I pray that you would empower them to use those things to make you known, not only in the city, not only in their circle of influence, but most importantly, in their home. And so we just pray a special blessing on them. God, for those who Father's Day, this is a difficult day. And for whatever reason that might be, 
whether it's loss or grieving or not expectations not being met or pain, whatever it is, God, we pray your blessing upon everyone that's feeling those things as well. That you are near the brokenhearted. And God, we pray and we're grateful for the perfect father that you are. I pray that you would give everyone a sense of that truth and reality this morning. We are grateful for the God that you are. We are grateful for the father that you are. And I pray that you would encourage us with that as we get into your words. Speak to all of us right where we're at. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So today we're looking at the uh, fifth commandment. We've been in a series on the Ten Commandments uh, for a little while. This is actually uh, part, I think, six or seven within this. We only have a few more to go. Uh, we've totally been ignoring the um, order of these things. And so it seemed like uh, honor your father and mother was a good one to talk about on Father's Day. And so that's the command that we're going to be looking at. Honor your father and mother so that you may lo- live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. What's interesting about this command, honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. What's interesting about this one is the, compared to the others, the amount of personal depth that it can have. Now, all, all of the commands are personal. I'm not saying the others aren't. I mean, we, we have to personally think through the idols that we have in our life. We have to personally figure out how to Sabbath. Even going off of last week, talking about not stealing, we have to think through, how can I be a generous steward? They're all personal. But this one is intimate and personal in a different way. Honor mom and dad. The command is almost like Mother's Day and Father's Day. Celebratory and fun for some, a time of grieving for others, a time of difficult memories or present struggles for some. Some hear this and sentimentally think, honor them. Others hear this and frustratingly think, honor them, what? How do we navigate this command, the tension of this command while trying to understand what God is teaching us and what he wants for us. Well, first, we need to clear up a couple things as far as maybe some misconceptions about this command and what it's not saying. First off, it doesn't mean specifically to only obey. Now, let me clarify. I know all of our kids have left, but let me just still say this. Yes, children should obey their parents. I'm not saying that this to create anarchy in the home. But this, there's a deeper significance to this that goes beyond just merely saying obey. Second thing is that this is not a command exclusively geared toward children. In fact, at the time Moses would have said this to Israel and given them this, he would have been speaking to the nation. Adults would have heard this. So that's something that we need to realize. There is no age range here. There is no age expiration where you don't have to worry about this command anymore. Even if our parents have passed, as we're going to see, honoring them is still a command we have to think about and what that looks like. Most importantly, though, a misconception that we have to clear up on this one is that it doesn't mean to pretend that bad things haven't happened. It's not everyone's experience, but for some it is. And for those who have had difficult experiences with your parents, 
even abusive moments, this command is not telling you to act like those things didn't happen. And I, I really feel like that's important to say. To this command is not saying to ignore the wrongs that people have done and what you have experienced. And so we need to make sure that we understand that. But what does it communicate then? Well, in the most basic sense, in the most basic idea, the word honor means to make heavy or to give weight to something. Now, again, further clarification, it is not saying to fatten up your parents. Like, oh, I love that one. Let's go to the buffet. I want to honor you, mom and dad. That's not what it's saying here. The idea is to give weight to something is to prize something highly to prize something highly. I told dads to wear different either sports teams or pop culture references that were that was their favorite, their most important things. There's a lot of different choices probably in the closet, but there was a reason why certain shirts and apparel were chosen. Hold one shirt in your hand, hold a different shirt in the other hand. One of them had more weight to you as far as what it meant, the significance of it, and why you chose it, or somebody would have chosen it, compared to the other. It's prized more. And so to honor our parents is to prize them in that way. It's to honor your parents is to give them significance, to show them respect, to lift them up. A great way to clarify it is actually to look how the same Hebrew word is used in a different verse. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, it says this, In the former time, God brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Natati. But in the latter time, God made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Wherever these first two places are, God, God did something that brought contempt to it. But then later, doom, darkness. But then later he did something that made it glorious. It's the same word honored. He did, he did something that made this glorious. He did that it wasn't before. He did something that honored it. Does that make sense? So he did something that brought glory to this place. It's the same idea there. So the command here is to do that to our parents, to bring them significance, to bring them respect, to bring them to act and live in such a way that brings them honor. Well, how is that done? Well, think about the two most basic things that a parent does. They give life and they give instruction. They give life and they give instruction. The whole idea of giving life. We're not going to go into the details of that. Um, you can call your parents if you need that one. But it says in Psalm 139, You have formed my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. We have parents who God used as the means by which we were made alive. And that's true, yes, to, in different scenarios, but that's true in the most basic sense for literally every single person. The second thing a parent does, or parents do, is give instruction. This was actually core to what parents were told to do 
during the time of Moses and Israel when this was happening. It says in Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In the Old Testament community, the family was core to who a person was, their identity. It was just hand to glove. It was exactly who they were. This was, they did not see themselves as purely as individuals, our individualistic modern mindset. They were part of a family. And God wanted the parents of that family to be the means by which children would learn about God, learn his heart, and learn his plans. The parents' instruction about God, who God is and how to live wisely as his people was such a core foundational part of their life that Proverbs talks about it as a part of wise living. It says in Proverbs 1, Hear my son, to, listen, excuse me, listen my son to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland of, to grace your head. So a parent brings us into the world and is meant to guide us to live godly within it. We are told to honor our parents, to bring significant weight, respect, to their name. We are to take the breath that we've been given and the instruction that we've been given and use them in such a way that brings honor to our parents' name. In, in light of this, the opposite of this command is Proverbs 19.26. Proverbs 19.26 says, Whoever robs their father and drives out their mother is a child who brings shame and disgrace. When somebody does that, who, when somebody lives that way, brings shame and brings disgrace, that is, that is living in a way that God doesn't want anyone to be, to treat anyone that, that way. Who would do that to their parents, let alone any other person? To live in such a way brings shame, brings honor, brings shame and honor to the family and to the community. But we're told to do the opposite, not to bring shame, not to bring disgrace, but to bring honor. Live in a way that when we it brings honor to our parents. When we love God with all of our hearts and when we love our neighbors as ourselves, it brings honor to who our parents are. Proverbs 10.1 says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. And so in this, honor is about how you and I live not necessarily about how our parents live. Did you catch that? To honor them is about how you and I live, not necessarily about how they live. And that's why this command is such an empowering command, an positive, empowering command. You can live in an honorable way even if your parents have not been honorable. 
You can live in a respectful and significant way even if your parents have been neither of those. Think, think about it like this. You work at a restaurant. You're a waiter and you're a waitress. Pretend your parents are the manager and you're the waiter or the waitress working in this restaurant. They hired you for the job. They trained you on what to do. They got you out there on the floor. You then have to go about your work. You have to go and do what you're going to do. You're going to serve people. You're going to bring them what they need. You're going to do the job. It could be a five-star restaurant with the best manager. And how you go about your job will either add to that or take away from it. Man, the food was great. The, the, the guy who came and checked out as the manager was awesome. But there was this, the waiter, they were dropping food. They were talking disrespectfully. Like, I don't know, even know if they knew what they were doing. I mean, it was all great until I interacted with that person. Or, man, this place has got grave reviews and this food is amazing and everybody's great. But the waitress just added to everything. The way that they were, how you act, adds to it. It could be a two-star restaurant with the worst possible reviews. And people could say, oh my gosh, the food isn't even edible. It's cold. There's garbage on the floor. The manager was so rude. It would have been the worst experience of my life if I hadn't had that waitress. If I wasn't with that waiter. Just how they were. And even the worst of things, how you are, adds something to the name of the place. Does that make sense? That's what it means to honor our parents. How you are adds to their name. Go back to the Isaiah 9 passage. God did something that brought doom and darkness, but then later he did something that made it glorious and significant. This command tells us, Live in such a way that you bring light to life. Live in such a way that regardless of whether your parents' life was one that was full of light or full of darkness, you bring light to it. Your parents may love the Lord, are the shining the light of Jesus into the world. How you live should make their light even brighter. Your parents might live horribly, shamefully, even evil lives. Then the way you live should bring light to that darkness. That when people talk to them like, oh my goodness, your kid. It's proclaiming the goodness of God. It's adding light to their life regardless of what they've done. But you are bringing light into the world. This is why it says this is a command with promise. It's why it says, so that you may live long in the land and the Lord your God, that your Lord, the Lord your God is giving you. We read that individualistically. That's a community thing. If everybody lives in such a way that you're making the most of the life and breath that God has given you, that you're proclaiming him, bringing light to the darkness, if everybody does that, then the community is going to function the way that it should be and the world is going to be a better place. If we don't do that, we're adding to the darkness and we can't complain when the world is the way that it is. The fifth command is God inviting you to live fully, faithfully, wholly. You have been given life. You have been given breath. Don't 
wasted. And here's the awesome thing about this. Two things that go along with this. One is that God wants to give you a new life and a new way of life. He wants to give you a new life. Jesus was talking to a teacher of the law named Nicodemus, and it says in John 3, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. All of us, before we have a relationship with Jesus, we live a life of darkness. We are a part of God. Yes, we we experience good things, we experience great, we can experience happiness and joy in the world, but not the way it was meant to be, not as we were created to be. It might, it's temporary, it's only a slight taste, and it's insufficient compared to all that God offers us. But the reality is, is that we have to be born again. We have to start a new life with God. It says in Ephesians, how does that look? How does that work? Ephesians chapter 2 says, At one time you were like a dead person because of the things you did wrong and your offenses against God. You used to live like people of this world. You followed the rule of a destructive spiritual power. This is the spirit of disobedience to God's will that is now at work in persons whose lives are characterized by disobedience. At one time you were like those persons. That's how we're all born. Our parents, our families, the community, the world that we live in, we are born into this reality of darkness. But all of you used to do whatever felt good and whatever you thought you wanted so that you were children headed for the punishment just like everyone else. However, God is rich in mercy. He brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that he has for us. You are saved by God's grace. And God raised us up and seated us in the heavens with Christ Jesus. It's because of Jesus and his work on the cross that our sins are forgiven and we are made new with God. That we are restored back to how he originally wanted us to be. The brokenness that we experience because of sin in our lives and sin in the world, that cause is forgiven and restored and brokenness can be healed and we can have the life our hearts long for because of who Jesus is and what he's done. You are saved by God's grace. God raised us up and seated us in the heavens from Christ, with Christ Jesus God did this to show, you, show future generations the greatness of his grace by the goodness that God has shown us in Christ Jesus. You are saved by God's grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's not something you possessed. It's not something you did that you can be proud of. We can't have a relationship with God. We can't have new life with God. We can't be born again because we're a good person. 
because we've done better than somebody else, because we're not as bad as somebody else. It has nothing to do with us or anybody else on earth that we can look to. It only has to do with Jesus. We can only have life because of who he is. His death on the cross made it possible for our sins to be forgiven. His resurrection from the dead makes it possible for us to have new life. The life that your parents gave you gets us all started. But that life is broken because of sin. The life that Jesus gives us is the life we were meant to have, that God wants and wills for us. But you have to receive that as a gift through faith. 2 Corinthians says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. He has newness for you how do you begin that romans says if you declare with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved you have to make a commitment believe in your heart not just facts about who god is not just agree with information about who jesus is It is a commitment of the heart. Faith is an allegiance of who you are. I am aligning who I am with who he is. It's a commitment and you have to ask yourself, have you aligned who you are? Put your faith in Jesus because that's the only thing. If he's not the Lord, the master, the king, whatever word you want to connect with of your life, then you don't have that new life. It's only when we call him Lord. We believe in him and make him Lord of our life. That's when we're saved. And God wants to give you that new life. Not just that reset, but then how to live it. It says in Ephesians 4, Since you really listened to him and were taught how the truth is in Jesus, change the former way of life that was part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, Renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit and clothe yourself with the new person created according to God's image in justice and true holiness. If we're supposed to live in such a way that brings honor to our parents and our parents weren't really honorable, then what are we supposed to do? Well, we're not following their example, we're following Jesus. We're being holy as he he is holy. We're following how he has shown himself and we're following the way of life he has given us. And so just as our parents were supposed to give us life and teach us how to live, they might have done awesome at that or horrible at that. But either way, God gives us new life and then he gives us a new direction on life that we then follow and bring honor to our parents honor to our communities, honoring God. That's how we have to live. God gives you a new life and gives you a new way to live. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? That's not something that you have to fill out any papers about. You don't, there's no application. You don't have to come and get my permission. It's something between you and God. You have to, in the quietness of your heart, the reality of your heart, give yourself to Jesus Have you surrendered who you are to him? And that might be, this might be the first time you've heard that. Maybe you've been coming and you've heard me talk about this a lot. We talk about this a lot around here. But have you actually 
done that. On August 21st, Jeanette and I will be celebrating 22 years of marriage. I know that on that day, my life completely changed. Some com- I, I made a commitment of my heart to no longer live one way, but now to live a different way with this person. You might not remember the exact day that you gave your life to Jesus, but you'll remember if it happened. It's not just, well, I've always just believed this or I've always just been aware of this. I've always, my parents have grew up. It's about, is there a moment when you put your faith in Jesus? You have a birthday and if you're born again, there's another day when that new life started. Has that started for you? Because if not, let it be today. Let God give you life. He gives us life and how to do it. The second thing, and to close with this, is that God, when we think about honoring our parents and the difficulty of that, and even thinking about what this day might be for some people, God will always be there for you as the perfect parent. God will always be there for you. He is the perfect father. God was described in Israel, to Israel in parental terms. It says in Isaiah 66, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem. In Isaiah 64, it says, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Other scriptures speak of the same thing, unpacking the reality of God's fatherly parental heart toward us and how we can interact with him in that way. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are, 1 John 3. Romans 8, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. And 2 Corinthians 6, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. For some of us, we have great examples of what a parent is, and you need to know that God is better than anything you can think of. Some of us have horrible examples of what a parent is, and you need to know God is everything you think a parent should be and blows that concept out of the water. He is the perfect parent. And so for some of us, because of the negative view that you might experience with your parents, that might give you a negative view on who the Father is and who God is. And all I could say to you is that we need to acknowledge that. Again, it doesn't minimize the reality of what you've experienced. It doesn't ignore that. But it says to give God the chance to show you that he's not like that. Because the truth of the matter is that God wants you. God longs for you. God loves you. God cares for you. All beyond what you can comprehend. It says in Psalm 68, He is father of the fatherless and protector of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Psalm 27.10 Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And so I I hope that if anything, if Father's Day, if Mother's Day is a difficult day for you, 
that you know the, that God's heart and God's love for you, the care that he has for you, the love that he has for you, the, the, the pursuit of you that he has. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to call you son or daughter. You just have to turn around and allow him to do that. God will always be there for you as the perfect parent. And so we are called to honor our parents. Honor our parents. You don't waste your life. What are you doing with the breath that God has given you? Your parents you, they, it might be one of darkness, it might be one of difficulty, it might be one of all of that, then you be the one to break the generational chains. You be the one to stop the patterns. You be the one to get help and get healing and make better choices and make better decisions. You be the one that you live your life so in tune with who God is and so in tune with how he's gifted you, so in tune with the opportunities that he has for, before you that when people talk to your parents about who you are, it brings honor to who they are to the point that they're going to have to think about everything because you've been better you've been better than how they were and you know what for some of us our parents might not even be around anymore and it, that difficulty of processing that the, of the fact that they were like this and it hurts so bad you bring honor to their name you be better than how they were you get help and find the healing and make the choices to bring honor to their name even if they weren't honorable and the fact is, is that God wouldn't tell us to do that if he didn't think that we could do it and if he didn't want to help us with it. And so what can you do with who you are? You are not meant to have a mundane, going through the motions existence. You are meant to thrive in a relationship with God, living holy and being part of what he's doing in the world. To where when people look at your life, they're oh, Man, you're a kid. That's how we should be living. And so what does that look like for you? And I would just challenge you this week to give yourself some time to process that. What are some of the things that you need to bring before the Lord for healing? What are some of the things you need to bring before the Lord and maybe even get help on? What are some of the things that you need to be before the Lord and say, God, how have you made me? How can I be more like you? What do you have for me where you have me? And not waste the breath, the gift of breath that he's given you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. Again, we thank you for your love. We thank you, God, for the perfect father that you are. And I again pray for the hurting. I pray for those who Father's Day, Mother's Day is difficult. God, we pray for, for your care. We pray for your peace. We pray that you would bring, give us courage to be open with others and vulnerable about what we experience and what we're feeling and give people words and presence to encourage us and strengthen us. God, I pray for all of us that, God, you would show us and guide us in how you've made us, how you've gifted us, how you've formed us for the good works that you have us. I pray, God, that you would help us to not settle for a mundane 
coasting existence. I pray, God, that we would not give in to the lazy couch potato life of COVID, but that we would get up, up and out and start being vibrant and dreaming and wanting to do things for who you are, that you would be known and the kingdom would expand. God, I pray that you would convict us. I pray that you would inspire us. I pray that you would give us a love for life. All in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey everyone, we're going to close with one last song and just worshiping God, thanking him for the life that he's given us. And maybe while this is going on, you're in here today and you know that you need to begin that relationship with Jesus. You've never done that or you've been avoiding that. You've been putting that off. You Maybe you've kind of been holding on to the idea of, well, this is just how we grew up. Just how you grew up does not give you a relationship with Jesus. It's something that you have to come to on your own. And so if we can encourage you in that, we would love to. And so while this song is going on, if you want to get up and come up here and sit with me, I would love to talk with you and pray with you and just help you uh, within that journey. Uh, but everybody stand and we're going to do this song.